heard his mighty words of old, of Noah's flood, of Jericho, of taming mighty lions in the dead, of Egypt's plagues, Goliath's hand. Through every Forgive. 
PBC Online, a ministry of Old Paz Baptist Church in Northfield, Minnesota. And you weren't expecting me to be here today, but 50 of you are here, so that's good. I wasn't planning on being here earlier in the week. I was probably going to go hunting and all that. Then I looked at the time, and by the time I get out of the field at 5.30, which isn't that far, it's right below my house. It's not a big deal. But the problem is getting ready, eating supper, and then getting into the meeting house and all that kind of stuff. I don't like being rushed for time like that. So I decided I'll probably just do a broadcast. That's what I'll do. 
And uh, then I went out and I'd go hunting in the morning. So then I go up hunting in the morning and I get out there and then my back goes out. Ouch, that hurt. My back went out on me. See, when you preach, when you're a preacher and not a speaker, which I'm not a speaker, I should be. I should lower my tone. It's not me. I don't do well with it. But um, when you're a speaker, you can talk like this and you can, you know, you can. And I'm not against anybody that does that. I'm just saying, like, you know, I, I, I don't really talk like this. You know, speaker, don't do that. So I, I have a lot of energy and all that stuff. Well, now when I push my diaphragm, it pushes on my back. And then this sharp nerve, uh, Piercing pain goes up my back and all that. Stuff. Anyway, and I just kind of feel out of it. And my nerves then into my nerves of physical pain kick into other nerves. Okay. And uh, that makes a difficult time to concentrate. So if I sound uh, like some of these tongue-speaking people here, uh, <laughs> I won't sound like but if I mess up a little bit, that might be it, just because I'm in a little bit of pain and I'm having trouble focusing for some reason. So anyway, uh, and uh, I'm going to the Cairo again on Friday. I normally go every three weeks, but this went out on me, and it has something to do with lack of sleep, uh, being out on a deer stand, it not being extremely comfortable. And uh, all that kind of stuff. So, it it is, uh, yeah. So, anyway, I'm not on here to complain. I wasn't really going to tell you because I don't want to complain or act like I'm complaining because I'm really not. Uh, but uh, I had to take some Advil. My wife was working on my back a little bit after I got out of the She goes, yeah, you're, you're walking. Ouch. You're walking kind of like this. I can tell there's something wrong. Yeah, you think? I'm walking sideways. So preaching will be fun tonight, and it'll be fun right now, and I could feel it in my diaphragm and all that stuff. Um, uh, but anyway, so uh, or I can feel it when I when I do that. So anyway, uh, you just keep praying for me that that all will go well here, and that I'll be able to have a clear thought process and get some sleep tonight. My back feels like this. I probably will not be in the deer stand tomorrow. I. Yeah, I don't think so, because I might have to get my tractor out there in the bucket to get me out of it. Because uh, that is, it's what's happening is, it's like the nerves, but it's in spasms. So it's like spasming on it. And so it sends like a sharp, ammo pain. Um. Anyway. So that's what's going on with that. Anyway. Uh, so I don't want to sit down because obviously I've sat down a lot for the last, since, since Saturday, I've sat down a lot. I don't like to sit down at three to four out, three to five hours at a time in the deer stand. We're going to build, Dave and I are going to, and Lucius are going to build a stand where I can stand up and then sit down when I want to and relax and then stand up and then do all that. Okay. But I don't have that this year. We didn't get to it. And I'm sitting out there. And yeah, it just. 
feel great. Oh, that's just the way it goes. So anyway, uh, we'll see if I get back out there on Saturday, if I can't get out there. Well, Friday night, I could get out there again. Um, if I don't get out there tomorrow, I'm going to go back to the Cairo Friday morning and, and have him adjust. I don't think it went in all the way when he adjusted me last time. My body was just fighting it. So, uh, but, and it just didn't want to go in. It was fighting it. Anyway, that's the way it goes. Enough about my back, though. Uh, but pray for Brother Jacob. He's not feeling well. He's got cold stuff and and uh, going on, and, and his family has been that. So, and pray for Brother Aaron and his job and the work he does and all that good stuff. And just, just pray that... Uh, that um, that uh, all that stuff. What do you sit on in the stand? I don't sit on anything. Yeah. I should. I should have a cushion or something in there because that is just way too hard of a surface to sit there on that chair. It's kind of suspended, but I had to put this. Ouch. It got jacked up a little bit. And I had to put this uh, piece of wood in there because it kind of got warped underneath it, and it, I think, it, I think it made it a little lopsided. Like, if I look a little lopsided like that, that's it. And uh, anyway, so it's when I'm speaking though, it puts the pressure on. Uh, that's what's going on. So, you know, donut to sit in. Oh, I need a donut to eat right now. <laughs> oh, don't make me laugh. It hurts. <laughs> no, I can't laugh. Yeah, I can't give one of those wholehearted laughs there. Cause much. So I'm going to try not to do that because we have that. that, that I, I want to laugh, honestly. But Dad made you sit on. Oh, I can't sit on a bucket. No, I can't do that. It's too straight down. I got to have a little bit inclined. If I sit straight down like that. Yeah, that puts too much pressure on. That's what that chair has done. Put too much pressure on my vertebrae. And I got a little deformed vertebrae. Am I cutting out on you? I might not be close enough. Am I cutting out? Hang on. Let me. Sorry. Let me get this a little closer here. Probably what it is. Probably me. Probably. Okay. That's probably better. I'll stand over and hover it over like, like Dave does when he's eating. If you see Dave or Paul, they, they have... One line over, and it, it was for me. I didn't have the mic close enough. That's good, Angie. That's real good. Good to hear. All right. Well, anyway, so, oh, and I'm going to pick out a, I, I got to get another computer, a, a Mac. I don't have to, like, have to, have to, but mine is over six years old. And they just came out with a new one. And I don't want the new one. I want the last generation. Because it's it's kind of discounted. So mine's getting old. It, you know, it's it's six years old. I've had it for a while. And I'll pass it along to the homeschool children. And they'll they'll use it. My wife will use it for whatever. And then there's one computer in there. But when you have when you have uh Eight children, 
Uh, yeah, you, you got a lot of uses for different devices. So anyway, but that's so pray I get the right deal and uh, all that good stuff. I want to buy one interest free. If I have to buy one like that, I want to buy it like over a couple years interest free or something. Um, but uh, anyway, I, I don't need what we had. What we bought for Brother Andrew was like, I don't, I'm not getting anything that fancy. You know, um, but because uh, I'm going to get like an M2, it's called. The chip is, it's called an M2. So I'm going to try to get that on like interest free or something like that. Unless the Lord provides the whole thing for me like he did last time. Last time I bought one six years ago. The Lord provided it, and uh, I was able to pay cash for it, which was a blessing. But if I have to do interest-free, that's okay, too. Uh, but I, I'm going to have to upgrade. It's about time. You know, when you start doing a lot of stuff and you use it every day. I mean, I use this Mac every day. I, You know, I have my streaming computer right here, which is awesome, but I don't work on that. I work on my own little small Mac here that I do everything on, my PowerPoints. You know, all that stuff. So, anyway, I'm probably going to buy one of those and probably going to be around. I saw some deals there. Actually, cheaper than mine. The one I paid for mine. And it's got that new M2 chip in it. And it's got a one terabyte hard drive. It was like $1,600. Which mine was 1800 before. And that's not that much for computer equipment when you're using it like... um. Uh, you know, for for six years, like this one. I use this thing for like six years. I've used it for six years. And a lot of stuff has been put on this thing. A lot of stuff has been done on this. So it'll always get used, though. It'll go to my family. And, and uh, yep, I knew it was my mic. Andrew messaged me. Got to pull your mic up closer. Okay, I did. I got it. I'll lean in like this, okay? So anyway, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get one of those. And that's nowhere near what it costs us for and Brother Andrews, the one that he's doing all the processing for. It seems like there's always something. I know. But anyway, so I'm, I'm going to get get something like that anyway. And um, go ahead and... Uh, and um, get going there. Yeah. You need a computer. I don't, so I quit buying them. Yeah, I use Mac. I, I use a Mac all the time. I, I use it. I mean, I type all my sermons on it, all my broadcasts on it, all my... And it's portable, so it goes with me. You know what I mean? Um, it's a MacBook Pro. No, I, I, don't, I don't buy Windows stuff because, quite frankly, I hate it. Because they always get viruses, they always get jacked up, they always get bad stuff happening to them. I just, I, yeah. But I don't need the fancy, you know, super fast stuff either, you know, for like what we do with this computer, what we do with the other one. Well, no, it's a la it's a MacBook Pro. It's not a, it's not a computer in that sense. It's a, it's a, you would consider it a laptop. But when you do all the stuff that I do, I do a lot of stuff. I mean, I, I, a lot. So that's what I'll end up doing. 
You have a Joey Mac, that's right. Yeah, I don't do any Linux stuff. But anyway. So, eventually. Eventually I'll get the right one. Uh, and I'm waiting for the right deal to come along because, yeah, you're right. You do want to do cash. I mean, that's always better. But I'll do interest-free, too, because I don't mind keeping some kind of credit out there. You know, it's just like, yeah, I don't like that stuff. I, I use everything. It's I have to be accessible for a number of different things. Mac and cheese. Hey, my daughter made the most awesome pizza last week. Mac and cheese pizza. Oh, was that good? Oh, wait a minute. Hang on. Hang on a second before I get started here. Oops. Right, I got it. Okay. I I gotta I gotta show you something here because Mr. Carl made fun of me pretty bad last week. Him and him and uh, a few of you others, Ross. So, uh, here we go. I had to, I had to put that in there. Let me see if there's another one here too that I need to put in there. I just to make it sure here while I'm at it here. Because uh Nope, I think that's the that's the one right. Here. Okay. I I had to I had to show you that one because Carl was making fun of me about saying that I couldn't I couldn't blow the show for Oh and so were you Rachel Rachel Marshall so were you so I I had to show you I had to show you and let, let's just do that one more time Okay, just want to make sure, just want to clarify that right there, that, that you all that were bashing me there last week, that, yeah, there you go. So, I, I wanted to make sure that, that you understood that. 
very clearly. All right. I better get moving here. I better get moving. Oh, don't forget the guinea. Oh, hang on. Okay. I got to bend over to get that guinea. Hold on. Now, now you all know, you all know that I have a guinea. No, it doesn't sound like a dying cat. It sounds exactly how it's supposed to sound. And hey, look at my other pr present. That was my guinea. That was my present. There we go. Anyway. So. All right. Before 75 people leave, I better get going here. We are going to talk about a Suzu Street. Suza? Suza. Suza Street. Suza? Doesn't matter. Either way, they're a bunch of heretics. They were a bunch of heretics. All right? And the, the head guy that was leading it, uh, this heretic, he was the head guy that led, led it. And this is, we continue on in our study on the phony gifts of the spirit from the charismatic our movement okay and you know when we look at these people it's not hard to see that they're possessed it isn't really it isn't hard to see that they're taken by something I'll show you. Watch this. Put it here. <laughs> Just like your mother.
Okay, so there's more of that, but uh, we'll wait. This is what, this is the charismatic NAR movement. This is the Pentecostal movement. If you call yourself a Pentecostal, you need to repent. Their doctrine is from hell. If you tell me you're a Pentecostal, I'm, I'm showing you what your roots are, and I'm showing you that your roots are from hell. Your roots are false. Your roots are deadly. Your roots are heresy. They're a bunch of lies. They're a bunch of signs and wonders. Phony signs and wonders. Lying wonders. That's what they that's what they are. And Azusa or Azusa, however you want to say it. Azusa Azusa, that was a place of lying signs and wonders. Signs and lying wonders, I should say. And many of the 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 NAR charismatic Pentecostal people trace their roots back to Azusa. That's where they trace them back to. They go back to this man right here. And his false movement. So, one of the students at Parham's Houston Bible School was William J. Seymour. He was a black evangelist who accepted Parham's doctrine and carried it to Los Angeles, California. The mission established by Seymour on Azusa Street in Los Angeles in 1906 has become famous as the birthplace of the Pentecostal movement. So this is where you trace your roots back to right here. This is where you trace them back. The mission established by Seymour in Los Angeles in 1906 was the birthplace. Meetings were held seven days a week for three years. Visitors attended from around the world seeking their own personal Pentecost. And their testimonies and the preaching of missionaries sent out from Azusa Street Mission created a whirlwind of growth for the burgeoning Pentecostal movement. Pentecostal historian Vincent Sinan observes, the Azusa Street Revival is commonly regarded as the beginning of the modern Pentecostal movement. In addition to the ministers who received their Pentecostal experience directly at Azusa, Thousands of others were influenced indirectly. During 1901 and 1902, Seymour had attended Martin Knapp's God's Bible School and joined the Evening Light Saints in Cincinnati. He adopted the heresy of entire sanctification. Entire sanctification means that I no longer sin. That I am absolutely in practice. In practicality, in my everyday life, I never sin. So I claim, if I claim entire sanctification on this side, I claim 
that I no longer sin. You judge a tree by its fruit. Okay? That's how you judge it. The Bible says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And his word is not in us. My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Okay. So these men preach an entire sanctification. Free from ever sinning. That should be a warning to you. That's like the guinea's warning right there. The guinea is warning you like it warns the, the, with the chickens that something's coming against the chickens. That should be a warning for you to stay away from a man who professes himself to be sinless on this earth in practice, in his walk, that he never sins. We're not talking about the position of his never-dying soul before God after salvation in Christ, which is sealed under the day of redemption. We're talking about his practical walk with God every day of his life. That's what we're talking about. When a man tells you that he does not sin any longer and he has entire sanctification, he is claiming to be Jesus Christ on earth. He's claiming to be God. Because only Christ was sinless. There has been no other man that walked on this earth that was sinless. Only the man Christ Jesus. There is no other man. He adopted the heresy of entire sanctification, believing that the two works of grace were required to save and cleanse a man. One first had to be born again through faith in Christ, then subsequently sanctified through a second work of grace. We do not see a second work of grace. We see, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. I'm preaching on that tonight, Lord willing. Those good works that we should walk in them, the walk of a Christian. 7.30 tonight. 
Central Time. Don't miss it. Seymour believed that the true church was being restored in an end-time miracle revival. In 1903, he attended Parham's Bible School in Houston. There, he became committed to another heresy that the Christian must subsequently be baptized in the Holy Spirit with the initial evidence of tongues. In early 1906, Seymour was invited to Los Angeles to lead a small holiness group, which at the time of the invitation was pastored by a woman, Julie Hutchinson. Now stop there. I'm going to get to this when I do. I'm opening. I've I've started this, but I'm going to get to my, not today, but in this series on the charismatic NAR movement. I'm going to get to the point, okay, where we talk about the reasons why we preach against the charismatic NAR movement, why we reject it wholeheartedly, why we absolutely reject the NAR movement, the charismatic movement, the Pentecostal movement. And I'll I'll have a, a a broadcast on each one of those reasons. I'm starting with the history here, and I did this back in 2019, but that's okay. It was four and a half years ago. Okay, but anytime you see a movement that is founded. Okay. Spelled that wrong. First Timothy two twelve. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. By the way, let me go back to something very, very simple point. In Ohio last night, they enshrined abortion into their constitution. State constitution. And if you ask me, Pastor, could you give me one simple reason why that happened? And I would tell you, women voting. Giving women the right vote. That's why. That's it. That's the reason. The women's suffrage movement. Feminism. Marxism. Yep. That's it. That's the reason. Women should have never had the right to vote. Ever. I covered that in the history of feminism. 
of which I made lots of friends and influenced lots of people. Okay. Ah, let's see if I can find it. Go way back in the Wayback Machine. Oh, here it is. It's called The Menace of Feminism. I preached this in 2017. I preached it before that in like 2010. Made all sorts of friends, influenced all sorts of people. And you see, this made me world famous. I'm just kidding. It's made a lot of people mad. Feminism infiltrates the church. What about Deborah and other silly excuses women use to usurp authority over men? The menace of feminism, identical rights or equal rights. The evil fruit of feminism, eugenics, abortion, fornication, and manly women. Feminism infiltrates the church, the evolution of Eve. Now that is a classic Carlos Rodriguez title right there. That right there is a classic Carlos Rodriguez Fuente title right there. That one right there. The evolution of Eve. That, that, I mean, yeah, that was good stuff. Okay. Biblical feminism, a woman's true work. I believe in feminism too. Biblical feminism. Are you a brawling, angry, or contentious woman? Weaponize feminism when Eve attacks Adam. Actually, act. Classic title right there. too. Anyway, but that's the reason. That's the reason that all happened. That's why that was enshrined last night in their constitution. Because of women voting. Children are their oppressors. And women rule over them. Okay. So what happened here? What's the Bible say? In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel. With shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Let the women learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach. Nor... To usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam is first formed, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. Do you know how many of these cults, whether it's the Quakers, whether it's the Shakers, whether it's, uh, they all have something in common. They let women lead. They let women lead. By the way, before I forget, a nice lady by the name of Mrs. Colucci sent my family and also will have some extras for uh, some of the mothers in church uh, that have little babies. Uh, we'll figure that out later. But 
she sent us some handmade denim, handmade blankets and like quilts and as a gift. And boy, are they nice. And she doesn't, she doesn't come on live. She listens on sermon audio, but I really appreciate that. That was very kind. And she had a kind note in there also. And, um, that was sure a blessing. And I, I really appreciate that. Um, that, that she would do that. And my wife sent me a message because I didn't want to forget. We're going to send her a card back, obviously, but what a blessing that was. It was very kind of her. And um, we're very grateful. That, that was truly a blessing. So anyway, uh, I love godly women, by the way. I'm very thankful for godly women. I hope you understand that. Um, when I preach on ungodly women, when I preach on, when I preach on, you know, the charismatic women, when I preach on ungodly women and, and, and all that, I also preach and encourage godliness and godly women that love the Lord, that love godly men and that want to serve God and that that love their their husbands and love their children and love their families and love their church and love their pastor and and I I'm I'm very grateful for God fearing women that love the Lord. I, I'm I'm encouraged by them. They encourage me. So It, it was encouraging. So, um, anyway, uh, and just those that, that, that live for God, as opposed to the feminists that are in this world and the feminism that is taught today. You know, so it says, I suffer not a woman to teach. But look what happens. Look what is a sign of apostasy. Look at that. What does this say? I suffer not a woman to teach. What does apostasy show us? Revelation 2.20, notwithstanding I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel. I suffer not a woman to teach. Notwithstanding I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. I don't feel bad about exposing that pastor for exactly what he was. That man was a wicked man. And he doubled down on his wickedness. He doubled down on his sin. He didn't admit that what he had done was wicked and vile sin in the sight of God's eyes. But he played games.
When a man gets right with God, we have a lot of grace for him. But when a man lives in sin and, and then condones his sin and does it in front of the world, he mocks Christ and mocks the gospel. And his end was according to his works. The hearts, it's it, it, it's a difficult state of affairs. Right? But it is life. If he would have repented, different story. But he didn't. Okay, so back to this. Isuzu is started by a woman. Pastored by a woman. That's how you know that somewhat, that a movement is an absolute rebellion when women are running it. And there are so many. I'm going to kill every single one of these things. Boy. Die, box elder bugs. So. Julie Hutchins. The group was formed of people that had been... Dis listen, listen closely. The group, this Isuzu group, was formed of people that had been disciplined out of the Second Baptist Church for the Second Blessing Sinless Perfection heresy. So the Baptist Church that they were in, right... The Baptist church that they were in disciplined them out for their sin, for their unrepentant false doctrine that they would not repent of, of sinless perfectionism. Okay. Upon his arrival in Los Angeles, Seymour preached only a few times before being locked out of the church that had invited him. His doctrine that tongue speaking was the in initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit was not well received. Seymour moved his meetings to a private home and then to a former African Methodist Episcopal Church building at 312 Azusa Street. Azusa Street, and strange things began to happen. The meetings began in April of 1906 and lasted more than three years. Large numbers of people visited Azusa Street to seek their own Pentecost. Services began in the morning and continued for 10 hours and more. There was no order of service and usually no one was leading. Whoever was anointed with the message would stand and deliver it. It might be a man, a woman, or a child. Right?
Remember this? Come on. Well, <laughs> today, <laughs> tonight I'm going to be preaching uh, about um, receiving the blessings. So how many of you guys know what an umbrella does? It blocks the rain from touching you. How many of you guys know what a funnel does? It receives the rain. And the rain is the blessings. And how many people in here want some blessings? You can cut my foot in too. Like in 1 Kings 18.41, it, say, it says, I hear the abundance of rain. I hear the abundance of rain. I hear the abundance of rain. The rain won't stop until you receive it. until you receive it. Now, the other day I was at the pool. <laughs> and I was praying for my friend, my next door neighbor. And I had my funnel open so I was receiving a lot of water. And, um, so when I prayed for him, he started speaking in tongues. I went like, speak. And he just went, how do I stop this? I'm like, you can't. That's when you start laying your hands on other people and saving them and bringing them to the kingdom of God. And when you feel the presence of God, time goes by so fast. You're like, oh. Oh, no, 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 a little longer, please. No, please. But if you're, like, Come on. not enjoying this, you'll be like, another hour. Oh, my God. <laughs> Come on. It says you need to, sorry, I'm drunk right here. Oh. You need to increase so Jesus could decrease. Well, sorry, other way around. I... You need to decrease so he could increase. Come on. And I know a lot of you guys want to be a funnel in here. And here's the thing, if you don't have your funnel open, then you can't speak in tongues. And if you can't speak in tongues, how are you going to pray for people? Because the other day, me and my mom and my sister prayed 30 minutes in tongues in bed for, for a miracle. And it came the next day. 
Now, here's the thing. A lot of you guys need to speak in tongues. Most of you might know it. But guess what? You can still receive more. Now, I just want everybody to stand up where they are. Now, hold your hand up like a funnel. We're going to pray. Lord, I thank you that you'll just rain on them, overflow so it'll be a, a waterfall of your word, Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, that you'll just give them their word, that they need to praise you. Jesus, and I thank you, they'll go tell people about you, and they'll perceive you, Lord, as their Savior. Ah, woo. Oh, my God. Woo. Jesus. I thank you they just pour on them, and... <laughs> and they'll just receive it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. In tongues, pray over them in tongues. Pray in other tongues over them. Come on. Lord, I thank you that they'll just receive tongues if they haven't received it. And I thank you they'll just start praying in tongues right now. Release it in Jesus' name. Just start speaking it. Come on. The thing is, the devil can't understand you so he can't interfere with you so god's like excuse me i don't know what you're doing near that child but bye-bye but bye-bye uh-uh all the way over there bye-bye so i want you to just keep on speaking in tongues don't stop that's when the blessings come in blessings come in so you open your hands up like a funnel so the blessings can come in so they could just come in and pour and pour so you can receive more and i know a lot of you guys need blessings in here new house new car jesus name i see it over there right here over there right there come on over there just release, Lord, to Shikira. Do your work, Brashikira Baba. Do your work in their heart, Jesus name, Brashakaraba. You can start dancing, you can start running. Come on. It's free. You are free in here. Come on, this is a house of God. You just want to shout, you want to scream. Let's go. Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I tell you, look at, look at this one. They, they, they just step over. The kid, kids just step over. You've got, you got to be like a little child to receive from heaven. You get, a, get away from your, your great maturity. Become like a little child and just receive. Yeah, just believe everything this idiot tells you so you can act like a Sousa Street, so you can act like these morons up here these absolute devil-possessed weirdos that are training children opposite of what the Word of God says. Just garbage from hell. See, again, there was no order at Azusa. No order of service. Usually no one was leading. Whoever was anointed with the message would stand and deliver it. It might be a man, a woman, or a child. 
Seymour rarely preached and said much of his time he put his head down in an empty packing crate that served as the pulpit and prayed. Pastoral oversight was minimum to say the least. People sang out at the same time, but with completely different syllables, rhythms, and melodies. Seymour's wife, Jeannie, claimed that she could sing under the power of the Spirit in many languages and even play the piano by divine inspiration. Right? The services were characterized by much confusion, dancing, jumping up and down, falling, trances, and slaying. Kind of like... Kind of like this. When we first went back, this ain't put on, this is a real deal. And that shook that whole realm. She was six years old. Her, her, her mother had to carry her out of the service. Just like this. Huh? Just like this. Her mother was like this for days. For days, her mother was like that. He said for days her mother was like that. Do you think that's of the Holy Ghost? You think that's the Holy Spirit of the Bible that leads a person to act like a bumbling fool? To scream and cackle like a witch? You think that's of the Bible? That's God's word. That's scripture. No, I'll tell you what that is. It's demonic.
The only thing dumber than him doing that is the people letting him do it. it that's the only thing dumber than that. The only thing dumber is watching him do it. Or is them being part of uh and 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 watching him do it and being a part of it. And they they don't they don't rebuke it. Right? You will run! You will run with the fire! Sounds like the screams of hell to me. Like it sounds like what it would sound like when people are wailing and gnashing their teeth in hell. That's what it sounds like. That's Azusa Street. That's what went on there. That's the product of it. The services were characterized by much confusion. Dancing, jumping up and falling down. Trances, slaying in the spirit, gibberish, tongues, jerking, hysteria, strange animal noises, holy laughter, spiritual muteness, or people trying to speak and unable to do so. The seekers would be seized with a strange spell and commence a gibberish of sounds. Uh, Seymour said, often when God sends a blessed wave upon us, we all may speak in tongues for a while. In February, when we were in Cape Town, same thing happened. Mother got hit on the front row, and, and your dad. And your mother kept going, go away. But she's the same way as your, she is. But she's, she's become Americanized, she's like reserved, but she's the exact same way. She's identical. Spent 29 years there. Pray for her to get it back.
Give him a microphone. Pick her up. Bring it here. Tell, tell the people what's happening. No, so they understand. Possession. That's devil possession. That has nothing to do with the Holy Ghost. That has nothing to do that those are devils. That's possession. What that is. That's exactly what that is. A Los Angeles Times reporter observed at, at Azusa. At Azusa, right here. Okay. At Azusa Street. The participants work themselves into a state of mad excitement in their peculiar zeal. That's powerful. And then after that, what happened? No, 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 Wow. That's powerful. You just keep saying, wow, that's powerful. How powerful in what? Literally, it looks like that she's possessed of devils. She's like the maniac of Gadara. It has nothing to do with it has nothing to do with preaching the gospel, sinners being saved. In fact, this woman is to be silent, right? Right? This woman is to be silent. Fox Elder Bubs are ridiculous. This woman is to be silent. Look what the Bible says here. He talks about tongues. Let the prophet speak two or three and let the other judge. If anything be revealed to another that sitteth by... Let the first hold his peace, for ye may all prophesy one by one, that all may learn and all may be comforted, and the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace in all the churches of the saints. Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak. 
but they are commanded to be under obedience. As also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. What came the word of God from you, or came it unto you only? If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. Women weren't supposed to. Why are they the ones speaking all the time? Yeah, but they'll think I'm crazy. They do when you gamble every day. They do when you snort cocaine every day. They do when you smoke weed every day. They do when you stack around the bars every day. They do when you go to church twice a day. This is what went on at the beginning of Pentecostalism, charismatic NAR movement. A very sympathetic biographer of William Seymour admits that at times the meetings would become so boisterous the police were called. There were times that they were so loud they called the police. <laughs> Sitting in the zone. If it's any religious. Well, this is, this is what they teach. Shaking was a large part of the Azusa street. Seymour taught the people to cry out to God and demand sanctification, the baptism with the Holy Ghost, and divine healing. The first case of tongue speaking under Seymour's ministry was by Edward Lee, who after he saw an alleged vision of Peter and John shaking while speaking in tongues, was convinced that people shake and speak in tongues when God's power comes upon them. What was he convinced by? He was convinced by a vision, not by the scriptures. He was convinced by a vision. All these Pentecostals have to do is say, I have a vision. Joseph Smith had a vision. Muhammad had a vision. Ellen G. White, the SDA founder, had a vision. 
They all have visions. And when they have visions that trumps the scriptures and they do what they want. Listen to this. One man shook so violently under Seymour's ministry that an ambulance was called. When the man who was shaking told the doctor, don't touch me, this is the power of God. The doctor wisely replied, if that is the power of God, it is giving you a devil of a shaking. If that is the power of God, it is giving you a devil of a shaking. Spirit slaying was also a large part of the Azusa Street meetings. When Seymour laid hands on Edward Lee, he fell to the floor like a dead man. Okay, so what do we see? Oop, not that one. Go back to the beginning, watch, this is what they're doing, see? Everybody just starts touching everybody. That's the power of God. It sure is giving them a devil of a shaking. And who remembers just, uh, I showed the video a while back where he said the Holy Ghost, God told him, Jesus came to him and told Benny Hinn that God was going to be on this, that Jesus was going to appear on this stage to them. Right? Somebody said, well, you, you mean you run? You just run in the service? These guys have been watching too many episodes, okay? Too many episodes of um, Star Wars. You are not Luke Skywalker, and uh, you don't have Jedi power. You got demonic power. 
Glory to God. Let let all things be done decently and in order. What a joke. What a joke. For him to even say that, what a stinking joke. in a box it's been I'm really just so there you go right that sounds like a Sousa, doesn't it? We see Benny Hinn and his and his uh his coat dropping power, right? Mighty anointing. Right? Something glorious happened. Out of God here. Lift those hands up high, receive his power. I give you praise. I give you praise. I give you praise for a fresh anointing of God. And he got that, and he got that from Catherine Kuhlman when he let that witch lay hands on him. Anyway, the spirit slang was also a large part of Azusa Street meetings when Seymour laid his hands on him. The first women to speak in tongues at Azusa was Jeannie Moore. Jenny Moore first fell to the floor. Oh, it's interesting. There's a lady that stalks me. And she has... It's not one of the normal ones that you're used to. And she has a bunch of aliases that she goes by. And I never could figure out why that lady hated me so much. And it makes me wonder... If that Jen Moore account that she has is named after this Pentecostal woman. And that if that Jen Moore is a charismatic witch, she is a Jezebel, and that's why she hates me so much. Because those women hate my guts. This woman sends me the nastiest messages, stalks me. I block her. She she calls me a coward. She does all this kind of... And, and she, and it makes me wonder, I, I didn't notice his name before, but I just wonder if that's the reason. 
Anyway, the first woman to speak in tongues at Azusa was Jenny Moore, first fell to the floor. And Seymour also fell down like he was dead when he first spoke in tongues. At times, men would fall all over the house like an army slain on the battlefield. Like that. that funny that same power couldn't keep him from running out and sleeping with a woman and walking away and leaving his wife right because that wasn't the power of the holy Would you give her the mic? What was wrong with you? My God, I feel like electricity no, on my hand right now. I don't go near to him. She won't go near. She's, what? Huh? Yes. I, she won't I, go near you. No. There you go. Okay, the same lack of control. Oops. The same lack of control over the tongues and other phenomena that we've seen at Parham's Bible School in Topeka was evident at Suzusa. Jenny Moore, who later married Will, William Seymour and eventually became the pastor of the Azusa Street Mission herself, was employed by a wealthy couple as a cook. When she burst out in tongues before her surprised employers, they feared she was going insane, and rightfully so. Later, she came under the power and burst out in tongues during a Methodist church service. William Seymour and Charles Parham have been called the co-founders of the world Pentecostalism. So it's always a woman that supersedes this authority, right? It's always a woman. Jesse Duplantis, his church, 
Now, his wife is the head pastor of the church, and he's an evangelist that travels around the world and flies around the world, right? That's, that's what he does now. And his wife, and his wife is pastoring the church now. You have complete rebellion to God's order, yet you expect me to believe that the Holy Ghost has anointed the Pentecostal movement with power when they absolutely rebel against God's clear commands in the King James Bible. Not a misunderstanding of, okay, um, the woman, a woman has a job outside of the home or is wrong about that, right? Which is wrong and needs to be corrected. No, it's even more than that. It's it's they go in and the spirit that leads them leads them to rebel against God's order in the church. Leads them to rebel against God's order that men that men are to lead the church. Right? That's not of God. It's clear rebellion against the word of God. It's clear rebellion against God's order. It, it's not, it's, it's, it's suffering Jezebel. We are living in the finished work of Christ, they said, but Parham never accepted the Azusa Street experience as genuine. When Parham visited the Azusa meetings in October of 1906, he was shocked by the confusion of the services. He was dismayed by the awful fits and spasms of the holy rollers and hypnotists. He described the Azusa tongues as chattering, jabbering, and sputtering, speaking no language at all. The Azusa Street meetings were so wild that Parham condemned them with the term sensational holy rollers. He said that the Azusa Street meetings were largely characterized by manifestations of the flesh, spiritualistic controls, and the practice of hypnotism. Well, I think that's, you could, now he's the father, he's one of the fathers of the charismatic movement. That's what the whole charismatic movement is. When Parham arrived at Azusa Street in 1906, he began his first sermon by telling the people that God is sick at his stomach because of the things which were occurring at Azusa. That's from Charles Shumway's book, A Study of the Gifts of Tongues. According to Parham, two-thirds of the people that professed Pentecostalism in his day either hypnotized or, spooked or were spook-driven. Parham never changed his opinion. To the end of his life, he denounced Azusa Street as a case of spiritual power prostituted. Thus, a father of Pentecostalism roundly rejected the Azusa Street meetings as phony, manipulative, and demonic. Though there were many reports about healing and financial miracles at Azusa, listen, the bank eventually foreclosed on the church's property, which was a poor testimony, and Seymour died young at 52 years old, having been in poor health for a long time before that. A few months before his death, Seymour was described as a worn, tired, and decrepit man. Many people die at age 52, but Seymour claimed that healing was guaranteed in Christ's atonement, yet he was a sickly man who died young.
it's like Kenneth Copeland. He's 80 years old, but guess what? He has a pacemaker. And he said all these people that are still sick, there must be something wrong with them. They must not have enough faith, but he's got a pacemaker. Right? Listen, partners. We don't have a flu season. We've got a duck season, a deer season, but we don't have a flu season. And don't receive it when somebody threatens you with everybody's getting the flu. We've already had our shot. He bore our sicknesses and carried our diseases. That's what we stand on. And by his stripes, we were healed. If you've already got the flu, I'm going to pray for you right now. Father, I pray. Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. How in the world? Uh, I thought you said we don't. We got a duck season. We got a deer season. We don't have a flu season. Oh, okay. Well, how come everybody's getting it then? Pray for every person that has symptoms of flu. I'm asking you, Lord, by your supernatural power to heal them now from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. Flu, I bind you off of the people. Flu, I bind you. Flu, I bind you off of the people. Flu, I bind you off of the people in of their feet. Flu, I bind you off of the people in their feet. Flu, I bind you off of the people in the name of Jesus. Jesus himself gave us the flu shot. He redeemed us from the curse of flu. And we receive it and we take it and we are healed by his stripes. Amen. You know, the Bible says he himself bore our sicknesses and carried our diseases. See, she's teaching absolute heresy. She's teaching that the that healing is a part of the atonement that Christ died for. Look, Christ died for sinful men. He died for sins. He didn't die for, for sickness. He died for the souls of men. In that sense, what I mean by that is, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that our flesh must die. Jesus uh, died to redeem the souls of men. This flesh is fallen and it will go to the ground. Here's another example. Same garbage. We'll exercise judgment right now. Because we in have... In the name of Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Standing in the office of the prophet of God, I execute judgment on you, COVID-19. I execute judgment on you, Satan, you destroyer, you killer, you get out, you break your power, you get off this nation. I demand judgment on you. I demand, I demand, I demand a vaccination to come immediately. Yes. Huh? I call you done. I call you done gone. You come down from 
your in place of authority, destroyer. You come down and you crawl on your belly like God commanded you when he put his foot on your head in the Garden of Eden. You will destroy through COVID-19. No more. No more. No more. No more. That's it. No more. No more. That was three years ago. Finished. It is over. And the United States of America is healed and well again. Saith the mighty. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory. Peace, who is also. COVID-19. COVID-19. When mean, oppressive, nasty diseases attack his people, George, the Prince of Peace takes his place. I messed us up. <laughs> When mean, oppressive, nasty diseases attack his people, George, the Prince of Peace takes his place. I messed us up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. That's 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 the heresy of the atonement. Sickness being cured in the atonement. All sickness being cured in the atonement. That's a lie. That's not biblical. Men will die. We can show you all over the scriptures that men died. Not because they didn't have enough faith, but as a point of a man wants to die. After this, the judgment and that we will be sick, and that we will be afflicted. Death, or sin brought death into the world. And that brought sickness and pain and suffering and everything else into the world. Parham never changed his opinion to the end of his life. He denounced Azusa as a case of that spiritual power prostituted. More than 50,000 people attended the, the sentinel celebrations of the Azusa Street Mission in Los Angeles in April of 2006. They returned back to their little satanic mecca to receive that spiritual power. Right? That's what they wanted is that spiritual power. They're grave-sucking, right? They wanted that power. They're not honoring anything. They're going there to get power. It's not wrong to honor people who died and uh, remember them and memorialize them. But that's not what they're doing. They seek that grave-sucking, that spiritual power. 
A man who helped popularize the Azusa Street meetings by his far-reaching reports was Frank Bartleman. In 1925, he published How Pentecost Came to Los Angeles, How It Was in the Beginning, which described the Azusa meeting. Bartleman was a licensed Baptist preacher when in 1897 he accepted the heresies of healing and the atonement and entire sanctification and joined the holiness movement. From then on, he lurched from group to group to the Salvation Army, then to Moody Bible Institute, then to the Wesleyan Methodists, then to the Pillar of Fire organization led by Alma White, then back to the Baptists, then to Azusa Street Pentecostal meetings led by Seymour, then launching out on his own and finally being baptized into the Jesus-only movement that denied the biblical doctrine of the Trinity. So you see what they do. What they teach. They deny the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. They're Jesus only people. The, the oneness, Arianism type, type philosophies. Pentecostal oneness. That's what they hold to. Heresy. And there are scores of them that deny the biblical trinity. There are so many of them that do. They deny it. And it always seems to be apostate Baptists that join those groups. Why? They reject the faith once delivered unto the saints. They reject... Uh, the strong emphasis on local church, on the Bible being the authority of faith and practice, on biblical baptism, on the offices and on the ordinances. They reject those things for spiritism. They want fancy things. Bartiman was slain in the spirit for one half hour in front of a congregation where he was preaching. On another occasion, he said he felt electric shocks that were so strong that he felt unconscious, unconscious. In spite of his doctrine that God had promised physical healing, Bartleman was often sick, at times despondent to the point of suicide, and his oldest daughter Esther died in childhood in spite of his faith in her healing. Bartleman promoted the same spirit of ecumenicism that is popular in the modern charismatic movement today. The final chapter of his book on Azusa Street was titled A Plea for Unity. He said this, every fresh division or party in the church gives to the world a contradiction as to the oneness of the body of Christ and the truthfulness of the gospel. Multitudes are bowing down and burning incense to a doctrine rather than Christ. The spirit is laboring for the unity of believers today for the one body that the prayer of Jesus may be answered, that they all may be one, that the world may believe. Note how Bartleman downplayed doctrinal purity and exalted a unity of experience. This has always been one of the theme songs of the Pentecostal charismatic movement, but one cannot bow down to the true Christ without maintaining sound biblical doctrine about Christ. The Bible warns that there are false Christs, false gospels, and false spirits. The only way of spiritual protection in the midst of spiritual apostasy and error is to cleave to sound apostolic doctrine to mark and avoid false doctrine. 
Romans 16, 17. The Bible says here. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. They do. First Timothy four one warns us. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. That's what they do. Second Timothy three thirteen. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Second Timothy chapter four. Verse 3 to 4, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Bible warns us about the another lady, Maria. She's right here. Always, again, it's always a woman. They got to have that woman in there. Maria Beulah Woodworth Etter. Faith healer, evangelist Maria Beulah Woodworth Etter had a vast influence in the early Pentecostal movement. The Dictionary of Pentecostal and Charismatic Movements says that she was a monumental figure in terms of spreading the Pentecostal message and notes that most early Pentecostals looked at Woodworth Eater as a godsend to the movement and accepted her uncritically. Okay. They just accepted her. Pentecostals today regard Sister Etter, along with Raymond T. Ritchie, Charles Price, Amy Semple McPherson, and others as one of the pioneer salvation healing itinerant evangelists who opened the way for a flood of tent evangelists for some 10 years beginning in the late 40s. 
When Woodworth Eater conducted a five-month healing crusade in Texas for F.F. Bosworth, the list of influential Pentecostals who flocked to Dallas was like a who's who of early Pentecostalism. Her meetings were characterized by spirit slaying, prophesying, trances, and general pandemonium. She often went into trances during a service, standing like a statue for an hour or more with her hands raised while the service continued. She was thus dubbed the trance evangelist and the voodoo priest, priestess. Here's what she said. Of her calling, she would later write, I heard the voice of Jesus calling me to go out in the highways and the hedges and gather in the lost sheep. In 1863, she married Philo Horace Woodworth, whom she divorced for infidelity in 1891. She had six children with Woodworth, five of whom died. In 1902, she married Samuel Etter, who died in 1914. She studied the scriptures and began preaching the Lord's divine will and healing. It didn't take long to see the, that evangelism and healing went hand in hand as, a thousands, as thousands were one to Christ as a result of seeing others healed. Sister Edder pioneered the way for Pentecostal manifestations that are so common in charismatic and Pentecostal groups today. Yeah. Totally doing whatever she wanted. Right? But what's the Bible say about women preaching? I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man. But what did she do? The opposite and then said she had God's power. No, the Bible warns us what power they have. It's the power to deceive. Look, when someone like that tells you that they're obeying God and God has called them, And they have this vision from God. And that God has called them, right? When they tell you that. Okay. And they disobey plain scripture. You're not to be deceived by vain words. I don't care what it looks like or what they say. Wow, look at that. If mine heart have been deceived by a woman. About that. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. She disobeyed the clear commands of God's word. 
Yet men followed her because of her visions and her signs and her wonders. You better read what the Bible says. I could never be a Pentecostal because, or a charismatic because their movement was started by silly women laden with sins. Their movement was started by effeminate men that followed women. The spirit of Jezebel, complete and contradicting the words of God. Their history completely contradicts the words of God. And it is a curse because of it. It is absolutely a curse because of it. It's a sad thing, really, that so many people are deceived. Is a beautiful home of the soul built by Jesus on high, where we never shall die. Is a Shall be in the sweet bar and bar. Happy praise to the King through eternity. Sing is a land where we never shall In a land where 
you i hope it was a blessing to you to learn some of these things i know they're not pleasant things you know sometimes to go through but the history is important to understand so you can better help people that will talk to you about that okay um a lot of pentecostals a lot of charismatics they don't know their own history just factual history of what these people are and who they they're, they are the Antichrist version of Baptist Church. That's what I believe. They are the counterfeit Baptist. That's what the Pentecostal charismatic movement is. It is the counterfeit Baptist. I absolutely believe that. So, anyway, 
All right, everybody. Well, God bless you. I don't know what will happen on Friday yet. I might be here. I might be hunting. I don't know. Who knows how I'm going to feel by then? I don't know. But pray for my back. I appreciate it and uh, all that good stuff. And uh, if you would uh, pray for our ministry, if you'd like to donate to our ministry, you can go to oldpassbaptistchurch.org. Click on the donate button right here. And uh, that'll take you here. And uh, that guy will yell at you. And you can uh, put your gift in there. You can use a credit card. You can use PayPal. Salvationpreacher at gmail.com uh, is our PayPal address. Uh, also on our oldpathsbaptistchurch.org website, you can click on PayPal, Venmo, or Apple Pay. Any of those. Okay. And uh, pray for those. I mean, uh, you can you can pray about what the Lord would have you to give for that. Also pray, uh, or you can mail us something. Our address is at the bottom of our audio page, which is dot com slash Pastor Cooley, 1030 South Highway 3, Northfield, Minnesota, 55057. Right? Um, and uh, pray for pray for Harry Carter as uh, she have a little bit of a rough time. Uh, Comfort her heart and her this time of need as well. And those that are sick and afflicted up. And remember those folks in prayer. Okay? All right, everybody. God bless you. We'll uh, take off here. And uh, Lord willing, we'll uh, see you soon here. Uh, could be on Friday afternoon. We'll see what happens.